Welcome, friends. This is Dr. Robert Carl. I'm a senior contributor to Religion Unplugged, and I'm here in Riga, Latvia, with Rabbi Krumers. Rabbi Krumers leads the only synagogue in Latvia that survived the Nazi and communist occupations of Latvia. And he has a small but very crucial um, congregation here in Riga, and he is going to talk to us about ministering to this congregation. It's a really fascinating history. The building survived both the Nazis and the communists. Yeah. Of course, unfortunately, the congregation did. Well, not exactly yes. didn't. There is still a congregation. There is. Yeah. We have still a minion every day. We have uh, studies. Well, it's yeah. uh, not nearly as large as it used to be. It, before the Nazis came, how big was it? Uh, well, uh, you will have to um, look up uh, probably more accurate historical facts, but I think that uh, at some point it nearly reached 100,000. Wow! 100,000 Jews in... Jews in the whole of Latvia. In, in Latvia, mm -hmm. yes. And, but they had many synagogues. Yes. There were over 200 synagogues in Latvia. And then the communists came, and did they shut down the synagogues? Well, actually, they came before the Nazis. Before the Nazis, yeah. The communists, they came in uh, 1940. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, uh, a year afterwards, the Nazis came. And um, I'm not sure if the synagogues were uh, shut down uh, immediately uh, in the 1940. I doubt it. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a fascinating story how uh, when in uh, a, um, 1918, I think, when uh, Latvia gained independence and there was a short period when uh, the communists, they held a uh, part of Latvia, Daugavpils mm -hmm. was close to Russia. And then there were, at that time, uh, two great famous rabbis in Daugavpils, Ravmer Simcha Cohen and Rgeshover. Mm -hmm. And I think Rgeshover, he moved away at that time, and Ravmer Simcha, he stayed in the town. So they arrested him. Mm -hmm. And then, as I heard it, Old, the whole city went uh, to the headquarters mm -hmm. and they understood that uh, that they have to let him out or uh, it would be the end of them. But, well, the end of them came anyway yeah. shortly afterwards. But anyways, when after the war, uh, I think... Um, most of the synagogues were shut down. Again, you will have to check with the historians. Of course, the Nazis not burned a lot of them down. Naturally. naturally. And they, but they didn't burn this down because it's in the old town. They couldn't burn it down without burning down everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the idea. But in other cities, uh, a lot of synagogues remained standing. And uh, I'm not sure. I think maybe in Daugavpils there was a working synagogue during the Soviet times. But I'm not sure. Again, you have to check with the historians. Yeah. I'm not a historian. Uh, but anyways, uh, after the war, this synagogue, it uh, started functioning as a synagogue uh, almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And it kept functioning throughout... Even during the Soviet times? Throughout yeah. all the Soviet times, yes. Um, of course, the Soviets were hostile to religion. So that didn't cause a problem? The thing is that according to the official ideology, according to the constitution of the Soviet Union, there was a religious freedom. Yeah. So again, people thought differently about things than they do 
now and for some reason it was important for the Soviet Union to uphold this uh, illusion of uh, religious freedom, of course with a lot of constraints. But the situation differed uh, very much between different places. Uh, for example, in uh, Ukraine, the situation was uh, very bad. It was uh, an extremely anti-Semitic yeah. area at the time. And uh, as uh, uh, one of my acquaintances told me that uh, how her father once uh, walked with her on the streets of Kiev and she told her, well, just don't don't uh, turn and look, yeah, but on the right is the synagogue. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even, even uh, yeah. look at it in the street without raising questions. And also in uh, Russia, in a lot of places, in Moscow, it was problematic. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Baltic states were uh, traditionally more liberal. Again, uh, presumably the Soviet uh, government wanted to keep them as a sort of um, um, shop window Mm -hmm. for the Europe. And of course, the most liberal were the Asian uh, states like Mm -hmm. Uzbekistan, Mm -hmm. where they uh, didn't uh, even try to fight religion because they were very Muslim states. And um, also, in the communist ideology, religion is supposed to die out naturally anyway, sort of, so yes. why fight it, you know? It's... No, they did fight it, but yes. for, for some reason, even, uh, even during the Stalin and Machsma times, uh, they didn't officially forbid it totally. And also, I think Stalin was fighting Hitler, so he uh, needed... it didn't It didn't present him any any kind of sentiment with the Jews, yeah. because, well, immediately after, uh, after he won the war, some years afterwards, uh, he was uh, actually going to finish what Hitler yes. started, and uh, by the miracle, Kodzh uh, Boroku, he uh, did away with him, and... Uh, literally, maybe if it would have been uh, a week or two more, maybe we wouldn't have had this conversation with you. Yeah. So a lot of Jews were killed by Stalin. Well, uh, among other people, yes, in mm-hmm. the concentration camps and uh, was sent to uh, to Siberia. And a lot of, uh, well, uh, if you speak about Latvia, then uh, Latvia obviously missed the terror of the 30s because it wasn't a part of Soviet mm-hmm. Union then. And after the war, it was um, a, already a bit uh, milder climate, but still... Still, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a holiday. Uh, for example, one of um, uh, my uncles, the husband of uh, my father's cousin, uh, he was an officer in the Soviet Army, and uh, once uh, he came with his friends to to the synagogue on uh, Sinkhistoire, and uh, they were a little bit drunk, and there was some uh, foreign tourist here. Mm-hmm. So there's a Grisha, this uncle of mine, uh, he wanted to show off, to, to, to show him how well he speaks English. So the actual level of uh, English speaking in Soviet Union was usually uh, usually ended with the, uh, with the question, do you speak English? So mm-hmm. it was basically probably all that he could say. 
Uh, so uh, maybe he also said that the weather is nice, but that definitely was the, the extent of his knowledge. So shortly afterwards, he was uh, called, uh, called in and uh, they fired him from the army mm -hmm. and uh, uh, he couldn't uh, obtain any, any kind of uh, serious job afterwards. And when uh, his uh, family wanted to immigrate, Again, to go away out of Soviet Union was, as you probably know, very problematic, but it was easier uh, from the Baltic states. Mm -hmm. But when he wanted to immigrate, then they uh, said that, well, your wife and children, they can go away, but uh, you have uh, been a, an officer of the army and you had, uh, it was already probably 10 years after, after he was fired, yeah. and you had uh, access to secret information and we will not let you go. And they only let him, it, it was probably in the beginning of the 80s, and they only let him out in the eight, uh, in the end of the eighties. And this, uh, who was this? This was my uncle. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. And where did he go? Uh, to Germany. Yes. Uh, so, so, Rebbe, you speak Hebrew and English and Latvian and Russian. Indeed. Yes. Well, that's that's great. And you were educated here in in, in Latvia. Yeah. And but you're, I imagine you had a very small class. Well, uh, we had a small base medrash, small sort of center of uh, Torah studies, and uh, we had teachers who came from Israel mm -hmm. to teach us, uh, and um, well, that was basically it. And you're Orthodox. I do my best. Yes. <laughs> and so Orthodox have to obey 613 laws. Well, uh, misses the commandments of Torah, but uh, well, uh, as for the laws, you can see for yourself, yeah. Yeah. there is a large quantity, yes. Um, but um, Gentiles only have to obey like seven, is that right? The Noah's... Uh, yeah, there are so-called seven uh, Noahid commandments. But, uh, well, again, uh, the question is, what do you understand as have to? Mm -hmm. Have to presume that there is some mm -hmm. kind of a control over it. And uh, obviously, uh, Judaism doesn't uh, suppose that we have to go out and uh, control how people outside. <laughs> yeah, it is very difficult to be Jewish. I, I, I know that uh, it's hard, you can't work on the Sabbath. Um, and there's a lot of restrictions. Uh, sometimes some employers, you can't get certain sure. jobs because of your, your employers. Sure. You, you can't eat in certain restaurants, right? Sure. Um, how do you convince people that it's worth it? Not sure convince is the right word. Explain, maybe. Um, well, basically, for me at least, it's a question of um, uh, what is it that you invest your life in and uh, about how you find meaning in your life and um, realizing that well the time is uh, limited and that uh, however you live your life it's a hard thing and to waste it for a cause and reason that will uh, with time just evaporate and uh, it would be even impossible to to explain to the future generations like for example uh, we see egyptian pyramids and uh, other remains of their culture and we realized how much was actually invested mm -hmm. into it and nowadays we're not even able to imagine how could people rationally spend their lives 
on something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this is what basically brings me um, to, to Torah and to the uh, Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in, uh, in Torah you have this a, you know, chain of generations of uh, Jewish thought and philosophy and understanding which stretches all the way to the Mount Sinai and mm-hmm. even beyond it and which we believe will never be uh, torn and uh, stopped and uh, therefore I have a feeling that I uh, spend my life within within the meaning that will not uh, turn into a pumpkin you know, mm-hmm. at some point in the midnight. It's amazing how Judaism has survived. You know, when you, you talked about the Egyptians, you know, that civilization is gone, even though it was much bigger than the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. The Hebrews were a small part of it. And so many other, Babylonia is gone. Babylonia even those gone. civilizations that are still present, uh, still their um, belief and their worldview and uh, their rationality has changed drastically through the time and uh, it is absolutely impossible to uh, imagine that they would uh, even want to bring like the Indian civilization or Chinese or yeah. Um, even though they still exist and they're also very ancient uh, systems of thought, mm-hmm. still, um, still, I think that probably you do not find in them the same continuity mm-hmm. as you have in Judaism. Yeah. But again, I am not uh, jealous. Let's put yes. it like this. Yeah. Um, how do you explain anti-Semitism? Like the uh, my impression is that uh, Jews make very good citizens. They don't cause a lot of trouble. You know, they um, um, certainly are a blessing to the non-Jews that they live among. I can say this as a New Yorker. Um, how, how do you explain this this kind of hate? that you see? Mm, Well, first of all, uh, it's not always true. For example, a lot of uh, communists were Jews Mm -hmm. and um, generally uh, among the people who, you know, uh, need more than the others, you usually find a lot of Jews. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is sort of our national uh, trait. I think that we uh, need to have to do with things more more than the others. We're less, uh, you know, ready to accept things as they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in my experience, hate doesn't uh, doesn't require a lot of, you know, uh, explanation or foundation. Uh, mm-hmm. In Judaism, in our uh, books, you can. Uh, see the idea that the anti-Semitism is the reaction of the outside world uh, to the uh, attempts of um, when Jews attempt to uh, assimilate and uh, to uh, leave Torah aside, to put Torah aside and to live, uh, you know, normal lives like everybody else. But... Uh, again, I think that uh, you will not find 
a single rationality beyond beyond all the expressions of anti-Semitism. But also, don't you think some of the hate comes because certainly some of the hate comes when Jews try to assimilate, but also some of the hate comes because Jews are different. Uh, well, sometimes it comes because Jews are different. Sometimes it comes because Jews are similar. Yeah. Sometimes it comes because Jews are seen as cruel. And sometimes mm -hmm. it comes because they seem too merciful. Mm -hmm. And so on and so far. I think that if you analyze the cases, then you will see that uh, the reasons quoted for anti-Semitism are uh, diametrically opposed and uh, basically... If you try to build a, a portrait of a Jew mm -hmm. out of anti-Semitic ideology throughout the ages and cultures, you will not be able to arrive mm -hmm. to some kind of yeah. a palpable figure. Because it's so irrational. Because it's just it just happens and the rationalization probably comes afterwards. Yeah. And in this, this synagogue was bombed in the 2000s, right? Two times? Uh, in the 90s. 90s. 90s, yeah. Uh, there were accidents. And afterwards we have the police permanently here. But the 90s, you know, they were a turbulent Thanks. period of time. Yes, and uh, there were some nationalistic groups mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Latvia at those times, which are uh, non-existent anymore. They were uh, neo-Nazis. Sort of, yeah. for a given value. Have the people been arrested? The people that did this? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that they could uh, put it on a certain person. Yeah. But um, actually, I'm not sure what happened to those groups. How how their um, what was their destiny afterwards? It was called Perkenkusts. Mm -hmm. uh, the cross of uh, Perkin. Perkin is the Latvian uh, god of uh, of um, thunder thunderstorm. Perkin Cruz. Yeah. The Krusts. Krusts. Well, the the, the Perkin cross, basically. Cro the cro a cross. Yeah. A, so it was that a, the Christian cross or no no Perkin Perkin is the is Latvian traditional oh, idol of uh, the the god of thunder like Zeus. Okay. Yeah and. Mm -hmm. I know. How is your relationship with the Lutherans here in Latvia? Basically, uh, uh, I sit on the uh, council with uh, all the uh, traditional confessions in uh, with the Ministry of um, Justice. Probably is called mm -hmm. in yes. So they have the the council of religious of different religious confessions, and well, we um, we all work together sort of on um, different issues but um, it's not as if we had you know some kind of business together or a mm -hmm. conference because i know in in martin luther's writings they have he has some anti-semitism in his writings well they say that uh, that uh, basically that they had some kind of congregation and uh, they decided that his later writings are not uh, do not express uh, the point of view of uh, lutheran church and so on and so far I, i'm not really an expert on those issues his later writings are pretty bad I mean, not only Jews, but also anybody who dislikes Baptists, 
Catholics. Um, yeah. You have a lot of uh, anti-Semitic writings in any kind, mm-hmm. I guess, of uh, of uh, religious uh, institutions. Mm-hmm. If you want to find them, probably in also in uh, Catholic, mm-hmm. Russian, Orthodox, and Muslim, yeah. obviously. So uh, I don't think it's a question of uh, of uh, writings. I think it's a question of what is the current policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, um, what is your uh, after the bombings? Mm-hmm. Did the EU help build rebuild this church? Well, uh, it wasn't uh, damaged in any significant way. Okay, there were I think two hand grenades, mm-hmm. and it damaged some of the stained glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't any palpable amount of uh, damage. Mm-hmm. But uh, the synagogue, the building itself, was of course very old, and it mm-hmm. wasn't renovated for a long, long time, and it was in a state of bad disrepair. And then, uh, with the help the help of the European Union and uh, with the help of local sponsors. Uh, chiefly of, of um, Arkady Sukharenko, who is the chairman of the Council of Jewish Communities at the moment. Uh, the synagogue was renovated in 2008, I think. 2007, they started in 2008 the, or all nine, they finished. European yeah. Union gave some money, right? Yes, so yes, yes. Yeah. Um, did you have to apply for the money? Like, uh, Sure. Yeah. Sure. I wasn't participating in the process. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a rabbi of the synagogue at that time. Oh, when did you become a rabbi? Uh, five years ago. Before that, you had a different synagogue? Uh, well, I was uh, studying in this space medrash, this Torah study center, yeah. studying, teaching there. Yeah, and um, how many students are in that center? Uh, well, uh, depends on how you count. 15, 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and how do you get money to keep it going? Because you have a fairly small uh, group that comes to synagogue. Got a fairly small group that studies. Oh, this is a very painful question. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, first of all, we have some income from the um, real estate that belongs to the community, but it's not very much. And uh, on regular times, it used to uh, barely be enough to make ends meet and then this winter came and uh, the bills for the heating and electricity went up four or five times Mm -hmm. and we certainly wouldn't have made it but the Canadian Foundation for Jewish Education which is led by Rav Shlomo Noach Mandel they helped us a lot and we basically owe them our existence yeah yeah. Um, in in terms of I guess a long-term vision for your community it's important to get more young people to come right indeed and and is that is that hard it is very hard for uh, different reasons uh, well one of those reasons these uh, reasons are that well there are not so many jews left yeah in at all and um, another one is that uh, young people tend to go away from latvia not only jews yeah but uh, also latvians and russians but uh, well um, for jews it's maybe a, a bit easier because they can also go to israel mm-hmm. uh, and uh, finally because uh, the jews that stayed in latvia they are mostly secular 
because well next to everybody who wanted to uh, observe the laws of Torah they uh, immigrated mm -hmm. at one point or another to Israel or United States it's other places yeah um, do you find that employers respect the, the laws of Torah I mean you know if if, an, if you are working in a restaurant and you say I can't work on the Sabbath will your employer say okay I respect your religion well, um, again, it's uh, hard to give you, uh, you know, any representative uh, data on the subject because the number of, uh, of uh, Orthodox Jews who work the salary jobs is, uh, well, basically a handful of people. Uh, and uh, mostly they've been uh, working on those jobs for some time. So uh, it's hard to say how on average people would react. But uh, my impression is that uh, probably most, uh, most of the um, people would respect, the, so they wouldn't despise you for being an Orthodox Jew, but it doesn't mean that they will be willing to give you the job because for again a lot of um, a lot of uh, businesses it's important for people to work. For example, uh, one of the members of our congregation now is looking for a job and uh, she tried uh, to apply for a job in one of the shopping centers. She's a designer, and uh, they told her that well, they would uh, very, would be very glad to take on a person with her a CV, and they respect her faith very much. But uh, they cannot just close yeah. uh, close the department on uh, Shabbat. Yeah, and she's the only person who is supposed to work there. So mm -hmm. uh, it's. Um, not exactly a question of respect, maybe, mm -hmm. as of um, a commercial uh, usefulness, yeah. something like this. And uh, yes, of course, it places some sort of restrictions on what you can do. Yeah, I, so it's probably easier to live in Israel or maybe even New York. Uh, you see, everywhere is... Um, there are problems of, uh, of specific problems of the specific... Yeah. place uh, to some degree I think certainly it's easier for an Orthodox Jew to live in Israel yeah. or in New York mm -hmm. yeah. um, do, do, you have, do you have children? I have two and um, do they go to a special school? Or? yes they go to a religious school which is um, which is uh, managed by Chabad community mm -hmm. okay it's a small private Jewish school here in Riga here in Riga and the, I, I know the Chabad community they believe that the Messiah has come is that right uh, it's an interesting question I think that if you ask them directly nowadays they will probably say that uh, it's not true but well uh, uh, the school is uh, good enough yeah yeah um, is it to a boy and girl or yes it's a very small school, you see. They have no opportunity to separate uh, boys yeah. and girls. Mm -hmm. And your children are, is that a boy and a girl? Uh, my daughter is eight years old mm -hmm. and uh, she's in, she's just finished the first grade. And my son is uh, only three. Yeah, okay. So yeah. he has some time still. Yeah. Where, and your English is very good. How, how did you learn? Well, my mother is a teacher of English. Oh, okay. So you grew up Orthodox? 
No, no, I grew up in a secular family, and uh, then graduate was a very gradual process, starting when I was 16, probably, when I uh, entered the university, then uh, by the time I was somewhat over 20, I was observing the Shabbos and the kosher, more or less, and then, well, graduates yeah. progressed. I'm 41 now. Yeah. Um, did, did your parents support this? It was a difficult process for them, but eventually, yes. Yeah. Nowadays, my father works with me. He used to be a businessman. He had a, a factory that produced uh, soft furniture, sofas, armchairs, such things. And uh, he sold it uh, five years ago. And uh, then um, they needed uh, a rabbi in this shul at the time and also needed a person who would manage uh, the, the whole thing. And uh, well, we sort of took a family uh, round. Yeah, so is he observant now, your father? No. Oh, but he helps you manage? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I imagine that a lot of Jews who are not observant, they want Judaism to continue. They want people to be observant and to continue this tradition. I think it's probably more true in uh, New York mm -hmm. than here, because again, uh, even though Soviet Union didn't forbid religion, it definitely discouraged it as much as it could. And also it was a pretty anti-Semitic place not only in terms of religion, but in general mm -hmm. terms. So, um, mostly, uh, mostly the Jews that came through the uh, Soviet Union, they came out as uh, more or less anti-religious people. Yeah, yeah. Um, your book collection is amazing. Mm. Do, do I, 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 sometimes I think, um, why don't you just have everything online and just do online? Do you like to actually take the texts out and read the texts? Well, a, a lot of things are online nowadays, and uh, to some degree it helps, of course, uh, with the search and mm -hmm. uh, so on and so far. But the thing is that um, a lot of things are impossible to do online. For example, uh, in uh, my field of work, it's very important to remember uh, the things that you learn. And uh, if you um, if you learn it from a book, then uh, it's easier to remember because you remember the page. Yeah. You remember the. Uh, the, yeah. the composition of the text on the page, and it helps. Also, if uh, on one hand, searching for something online is more convenient, but on the other hand, you cannot really do this, mm -hmm. yeah, with an online book. Yeah. Um, besides that, a when you study something from uh, from a computer screen, there are usually a lot of distractions. Mm -hmm. Besides that, mm -hmm. you cannot use a computer on Shabbat. But you can read. You can read the books, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, and uh, so on and so far. So uh, there are some, uh, uh, some certain advantages to uh, electronic format, especially, uh, you know, uh, because there are there is a massive amount of books that you only need as a um, reference mm -hmm. literature 
And uh, if I would have them all here, then, uh, well, first of all, it would cost me a million mm -hmm. and uh, the room would certainly wouldn't be enough. Yeah. It, um, yeah, I, I'm a book person. I like mm -hmm. to have the books. I mm -hmm. have never gotten used to the online and I like to have them all surrounding me like, like this. Mm -hmm. I noticed, though, in your library, there's no novels, no... History no. books, no, 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 no. Why not? Uh, well, it's uh, you know a library of uh, of um, Jewish texts, the Torah texts. Yeah. Do you do you have other books at home, like like novels and yes. history books? Sure. And, and when when you prepare, um, I, I guess you do preach sermons. You could put it like this. Yeah. Do you 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 refer not only to these texts but also to contemporary novels and contemporary movies? Uh, not much. Not much. Sometimes as examples, mm -hmm. but uh, but not much. Yeah, so it's mostly sticking to the yeah, text. but uh, well, uh, reading was and still is uh, an important thing for me. Uh, for example, on on Sunday, I'm going to give a, a class uh, in Latvian on the commandment of um, "We should love your uh, neighbor as yourself." Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start it with a poem of Winston uh, Hyodon, mm -hmm. as I walked out one evening. Okay. And uh, his understanding of uh, what it actually me means. W.H. Auden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. You should love your crooked neighbor with your crooked heart. Yeah, so, so, so that poem, what is the name of the poem? The, the... Uh, I think it's titled as I, uh, with the first, first line, as I walked out one evening. Uh huh. So, and you'll be pre preaching in Latvia. It, it's not, uh, um, it's not uh, so much preaching. It's uh, you know like a workshop with Jewish texts. Yeah, and you do this during the service. No, it will be an old sort of an open class. Oh, okay. When do you have that? On Sunday. Oh, okay. At Twelve o'clock. So, so it, it's really um, it, your job is, of course, doing the services. And I imagine you do visiting sick people in the hospital, visiting... Not so much, no. You see, a rabbi is not a priest. Mm -hmm. um, I do manage the services when there is a need, but uh, it doesn't require a rabbi to, uh, to conduct. Mm -hmm. Any member of a congregation can do it. Uh, the main task of a rabbi, at least in the kind of Judaism that... Uh, I am uh, attached to uh, is uh, well basically studying and being an expert on Jewish law and mm -hmm. uh, Talmud and uh, such things yeah. teaching others uh, helping them uh, to sort their uh, problems out something like this yeah so, so you know like marriage counseling do you do that? Um, in theory, in theory, I'm a psychologist uh, by my uh, first education, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, well, um, very rarely. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, I could uh, sometimes I uh, help people to sort things out, but if they need anything uh, of a permanent nature, then of course I refer them to the psychologist or marriage counselor or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. So so it's mostly people struggling with aspects of the text the law the, yeah that's that's really what your primary job how is. to do this how to do that how to understand this so yes yeah. um, within the orthodox 
spectrum, would you consider yourself more conservative or more liberal? Mm. You see, the spectrum that you talk about, it has more sense in New York or Israel than it has here. <laughs> and because, well, there are a lot of different Jews and you have to sort of affiliate yourself with some kind of a group. Uh, whereas here, I have a lot of different people that I have to talk to and communicate with and deal with. And I simply have no luxury of uh, putting myself in a box. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think you would be right in putting me in uh, into the orthodox, more, 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 more orthodox part of the spectrum. Would, like, uh, who who do you like? Like Hillel is is an interpreter. Who's your favorite one? Uh, well, it doesn't work like this, really. Uh, like a question: Who is your favorite physicist? Yeah. Uh, um, um, I like the feeling that you sometimes get when you uh, when you deal with uh, with the Torah texts, the commentaries, the analysis. Uh, when uh, you face some kind of a problem that uh, that appears to be absolutely insolvable, mm -hmm. and then somebody comes up with a kind of a solution that, you know, uh, illuminates everything and shows you that not only it's not a problem, that it's, this is the only way it is possible to, uh, to exist. Yeah. And, uh, well, um, there are a lot of, a lot of, uh, rabbis who did it very well, like, uh, Chaim of Brisk, like Kravtsodek Akoyen, like Rav Shimon Shkop, like, uh, well, basically uh, any kind of, of uh, uh, rabbinical authority. Maimonides? Um, again, you speak about, um, about, um, I'll explain it to you. Um, you are asking step of the ladder uh, of the ladder, mm -hmm. uh, how it feels about the mountains of Everest mm -hmm. or Matterhorn or something like this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's interesting. It's impossible. It's impossible to have a relation to an Everest mountain. Mm -hmm. It is enormous and it exists. And yeah. uh, it's a part of your life. That's interesting because uh, in, uh, among uh, Christians, they will say, I am a Lutheran. I am a Thomist. I, I, I mean, I, I follow the tradition of Thomas Aquinas or Martin Luther or John Calvin. It's also possible in uh, Judaism. You can uh, sort of uh, belong to some kind of a school. But again, I didn't have the good opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, immerse myself in one kind of an approach. Uh, this is one thing. And another thing is that even even thus, um, you cannot you cannot study the Gemara uh, from some one kind of perspective. You will always have to refer to a very wide range of, of thinkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's very good. <laughs> I, mean, um, I wish more, uh, more uh, Christian uh, theologians would have that attitude or more, more Christian uh, ministers would have that attitude. But uh, what, what, do you, what do you wish people would know about Judaism? that uh, they don't what, know which people were talking um, about like 
secular people or Christian Christian people? Uh, again, as you probably know, Judaism is not um, um, what's the word a missionary kind of yeah. a religion. We do not preach to other nations and uh, members of other faiths. Uh, so uh, also uh, it's not it's not my task you know to have uh, to manage the relations of uh, uh, of Jewish faith and uh, Christian faith yeah. you know as a representative um, but if we speak about the Jews I wish uh, I wish I could I, I could show them the the enormous beauty of uh, of uh, those ideas and the enormous power that transcends the the, the ages the thousands of years um, the the dialogue which is possible about between people who lived a thousand years apart and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of miles apart. <laughs> so the and enormous beauty of Judaism? or of, of the Jewish thought. Jewish thought, yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's true. The Most people, at least most Christians, think that Judaism is the Hebrew scriptures. They, they don't uh, think of this big tradition that you talk about with the dialogue between people. Uh, again, it's not my task to convince them of anything, and I think that it's enough if we uh, if we learn, as I think we have learned, to exist side by side uh, without uh, burning anybody on the stake yeah, or uh, or uh, anything like that. And I think uh, it's um, it's a good thing that. Uh, different uh, different um, worldviews they uh, exist in the world and it's by no means um, it is my task to uh, to you know bring them into Judaism um, but it's really hard to become Jewish I was in uh, Kenya last year and the synagogue in Nairobi is mostly African now mm -hmm. it's mostly African but it takes 20 years for an African to become Jewish like they have to find an Orthodox rabbi. I think some of them had to go to Israel. Um, why make it so hard? Why not make it easy? Mm, well, for an obvious reason that you mentioned, that according to Judaism, uh, if a non-Jew observes the, uh, some basic uh, things about uh, a decent life, then uh, According to to the Torah, uh, he is considered to be a righteous person. Mm -hmm. uh, but if he uh, undergoes the giyur, if he becomes Jewish, then he has to observe all the laws of Torah. Uh, and if before Hetz he didn't observe Shabbat, it's because he didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, if he turns on the light during the Shabbat or uh, cooks something for himself or builds something mm -hmm. or writes down something, then automatically he is making a grave transgression. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very hard uh, for a person, especially nowadays, uh, when we basically are used that our lives, they change from one end to another end 
several times during a short period of years, short number of years, small number of years. It's, a very, it's very difficult for a person to undertake such, such kind of uh, responsibility mm-hmm. and uh, to, uh, you know, accept, accept the idea that, well, from now on and till his very death, whatever he thinks or likes or wants, whether he can find a job or mm-hmm. cannot find a job, um, that this is what he has to do. Yeah. And uh, again, the Kodesh the Almighty, by no means requires it yeah. of people to become Jewish. So uh, this is the reason why uh, why it is, uh, why it's uh, usually discouraged. Yeah, it's hard. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, wow, that's, that's interesting. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so this is, uh, this is a, a, a really special place. I mean, because of your history, it's, I guess it, it's, do you have a lot of foreign visitors come here and? Well, we have a lot of tourists during the yeah. summer, at least. Americans? Uh, Americans, Israelis, Germans mm-hmm. from all over the world. Uh, then, um, then um, um, there are some uh, some uh, Orthodox Jews that when they come to Latvia, they can come to, to mm-hmm. our shul to pray and uh, yeah. spend uh, spend time with us. Yeah, I think the president of Latvia is Jewish. Well, his uh, father is Jewish. Mm-hmm. Does he ever come? No. No, he is um, uh, not very. Um, he doesn't like to advertise his Jewish roots very much. Okay, is that for political reasons or is it? Uh, to tell you the truth, I am not an authority on the subject. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's better if you ask him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, yeah. They, do you find? that there is still anti-Semitism in Latvia? To some degree on, you know, day-to-day basis, but I think uh, in terms of anti-Semitism, Latvia probably is one of the best places for Jews in Europe. Oh, that's great. Right now. Are, so does that mean more Jews will come here or? I doubt it because the economic and social situation otherwise leaves a lot to be desired. I must say it looks beautiful. It looks like it's prosperous. It looks like it's, you know, you see building all over the place going up. And if well, you compare up, it to other places, I think you will see a lot more buildings going up. Okay, in other places, places in than in, yeah. than in uh, Riga. Well, the economic situation, unfortunately, is not, not yeah. very good. It's gotten worse since the war. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Do, do, do um, you take... Um, a position on the war, like uh, like a posi- an, um, anti-Russian or an- pro-Ukraine or something like that. Uh, well, uh, basically, uh, no decent person can uh, like what's happening in yeah. Ukraine right now. It's beastly and it's uh, anti-human and uh, it's completely senseless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, again, I'm a rabbi and not a politician. Yeah. So you don't preach about this. In- uh, or in your... uh, there is no need again we're mm-hmm. a very small community and mm-hmm. uh, um, well uh, yeah so so you, you you would you hesitate to talk about it because it's divisive or no. it's, it's it's just not your um, area of there expertise. is there is so much said about it lately yeah. that I do not 
feel that uh, the discourse would in any way benefit from what I'm, I'd be able to add to it. Yeah. Do you talk about subjects like uh, sexuality and gender and transgender? Sort of. Again, it's not an issue in the community. Mm -hmm. Sexuality to, to some degree, because it's a very important mm -hmm. topic in Jewish law, the family life, uh, sexuality, uh, but uh, otherwise... Um, yeah, because I know in, um, in the culture it's a big issue, you know, with changing norms and changing... Uh, uh, gender identities, I, I, it's it's a big, um, and some religious people, some pastors feel they need to involve themselves in the debate and take a position. You see, again, the Jewish thought is uh, several thousands of years uh, old, and uh, since then, so many uh, topics, they arose and uh, vanished without a trace. Mm -hmm. So, um, just because something feels like uh, uh, burning an important yeah. issue doesn't mean that you have to um, you have to you know involve yourself in it because well uh, some years will pass and again you won't be able uh, even to explain what was the discussion about. Yeah, that's that's interesting. If you take the long view, things that seem seems so important mm -hmm. now, maybe in 50 years from 50 now. Years, in 50 years time, it will be impossible even to explain <laughs> uh, the children in school what, what was the, uh, the discussion about, yeah. why it was so important for everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that's one thing Americans don't have is the long view because our country is so new. We you know, when you look around here you see all these old buildings and you see this ancient tradition, this connectedness with the past. You know, we don't have that in the United States. Maybe. So everything seems like such a crisis and people are think that this is um, a hill they have to die on. So. Yeah, it's a very it's a very sad sad thing because well basically a lot of people they are ready to die for things that do not make sense immediately mm -hmm. afterwards. Yeah. And uh, well it's I think it's just basically important to be decent to each other and mm -hmm. whatever are whatever the views the person mm -hmm. holds and to important to, to remember that uh, tomorrow will come yeah and you will still have to live with those people and you will have to look them in the eyes yeah and you will have to deal with them mm -hmm. and uh, the reasons that are so important again for you nowadays so important that uh, you are uh, proclaiming those people as uh, enemies of the mankind they will uh, again vanish and the enmity and the um, the evil that one has done will stay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, thank you, Rabbi. This has been a wonderful uh, time together.